Welcome to a space podity, also known as Pod Like a Hole. I am your host, Earl Price, and tonight we are going to discuss ghastly monsters. Yes, that's right. Some would say scary monsters. So, without further ado, me and my two co-hosts, Eerie Eric and Malicious Mark, will be discussing the top five monsters. <laughs> I mean, I... Uh... That's going in the in the, uh, in the highlight reel right there. I tell you, <laughs> I mean, that's how you open a show, folks. That's right. That's you know, right. Uh, we got another Patreon subscriber tonight. We'll talk about him later. And uh, nice. it's it's <laughs> it's content like that is why everyone keeps coming back. I mean, that's. I mean, this should be behind a paywall. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, the ringer. The ringer is going to come a calling. I mean, that was a grade. That was that was very good. I mean. Next, we're going to do ad reads for, uh, you know, MyPillow and uh, um, any one of those uh, home meal prep kit things. Casper, Casper, yeah. Well, of course. If we're ever, if any of us are ever going to get a Lincoln, it's going to be because of uh, the ad buys. So (laughs) that's true. So, So, uh, I, I think Eric should go first. Eric, what's your number five? All right. So, we're doing our top five monsters, our top five scary monsters. And, uh, as, as always, as always, uh, as always, yeah. When we do our top fives, they're open to interpretation. That's right. And I mean, yours is better, but I was going to start with hello, bowels and giblets. <laughs> Anyways, uh, five is Frankenstein. Are you talking Frank- the Crypt Keeper? That's right. Frankenstein. Frankenstein is my five. Frankenstein's beautiful. Uh, it's uh, Frankenstein uh, is the story that the original story uh, is amazing uh, in the sense that, you know, Mary Shelley wrote it as like a campfire story with some friends and then kind of came up with it on the spot and then had and then ended up fleshing out into a book that is a story about a mad scientist and jealousy and inadequacy. And it's it's pretty amazing. Um, but I love the brainless monster that is really relatable, has a heart and, uh, but the town always turns against him in the end. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pure tragedy. Um, and I always love seeing how Frankenstein is portrayed throughout pop culture, be it like, uh, uh, commanding a, a legion of soldiers and monster soldiers in a comic book or, or, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, but it's the ultimate mad scientist story. And I'm a big fan. So Frankenstein is my number five. Well, if we're going to go of other versions of it, I think that uh, Young Frankenstein, one of the greatest comedies of all time, and Definitely. it still manages to also be a very good retelling of that story, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Gene Wilder as uh, the doctor is a revelation. Uh, that movie was, I think, one of my early introductions to Mel Brooks. Um, and... It's. I think it may be tied with Blazing Saddles of my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Actually, the producers. It's. It's always between those three. 
Those are all um, really good. We watched, uh, I think we, we at least because everybody loves it when Steve and Mark talk about 20 years ago, we, sure. at least, we at least watched history of the world part one and the producers as teenagers together. And, yeah. uh, yeah, each of them that uh, were hilarious. I history, wish of that, world, I, part one, history of the world part one isn't consistently great, but it has some, it has many moments in it that'll knock you on your ass. I wish yeah, that definitely. or blazing settles was my introduction to Mel Brooks, but mine was space balls, which is fine. And then men in tights, which is really hard to, uh, apologize for later on. It just, it just doesn't hold up. But men in tights is almost as dated as what it was mocking. Uh, the Robin yeah. Hood Prince of thieves. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great film. Though. Number um, Mark, you're number five. Number five. Um, I will say collectively, um, zombies. Oh, I okay. mean, I know it's uh, definitely fatigued with what uh, The Walking Dead has really beat that dead horse into the ground. I still am sticking with the original show, um, despite it really going off the reservation from the source material. Spinoff show is a chore to get through, um, but there's no denying the fact that uh, the original Night of the Living Dead is a stone cold classic. Oh yeah, um, the George Romero stuff is fantastic. I'm not a huge gore guy um, or horror fan, uh, film fan for that matter. You're still you're still uh, pissed off that he took uh, he 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 took your claim to fame as a person that created the internet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yes, uh, I'd, I'd go with zombies. Zombie movies are always, uh, always catch my interest for whatever reason. Um, even though they're pretty routine. Um, I know in, uh, Day of the Dead, they start learning how to shoot guns. Um, and, uh, I don't even remember watching Land of the Dead, but, uh, I know I did. Sometimes. I feel I feel like but yeah, zombies. Uh, Land of the Dead. I feel like Dennis Hopper plays the same character he plays in a Puff Daddy video, where he's like the president of everybody. Um, but, oh uh, yeah, um, all about the Benjamins. That's right. <laughs> uh, or uh, yeah. uh, victory, victory. But um, oh, it was victory. That's right. uh, he was just channeling his King Koopa character from <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Didn't we talk about victory in an old Nine Inch Nails episode? We did because because we certainly did. Mr. Reznor uh, uh, remixed that song. Absolutely, that's right. That was a long time ago. Steven. my number five. I um to to help uh, to to help me be a little bit more creative tonight. I bounced this thing off my wife, and uh, we I smashed our lists together. And she picked one that definitely uh, wouldn't have been on my list, but it's a great one because it's a movie that her and I watched plenty together. Um, it's uh, M- Mrs. Danvers from the, the Hitchcock film, Rebecca. Announcing the return of the most glamorous motion picture ever made, David O. Selznick and Alfred Hitchcock bring you the Grand Slam Prize winner that made motion picture history. Winner of the Academy Award, voted by America's critics as the best picture of the year. And now, as a result of a national poll, winning new honors as audiences throughout the country vote to see it again. The Selznick Studios successor to Gone with the Wind, Rebecca, brought to the screen with all the warmth and emotion that made millions of readers acclaim Daphne du Maurier's bestseller as the most exciting love story of our time. 
the fascinating Max de Winter lives on the screen in the person of Laurence Olivier. Why, it's Max de Winter. How do you know? The shy, unsophisticated young girl who dared to follow in the footsteps of the beautiful Rebecca is portrayed by lovely Joan Fontaine. How could I ask you to love me when I knew you loved Rebecca still? Whenever you touched me, I, I knew you were comparing me with Rebecca. What is the mystery of Rebecca? What dread secret is hidden within the silent walls of Manderley? Not only in this room. It's in all the rooms in the house. I can almost hear it now. Do you think the dead come back and watch the living? Tell me, is Mrs. Van Hopper a friend of yours or just a relation? No, she's my employer. I'm what is known as a paid companion. No, I didn't know companionship could be bought. There's mystery, love, and laughter in Rebecca. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, Eric, you've seen it. Mark, have you seen Rebecca before? It's been a long time. I, I remember going through an Alfred Hitchcock phase years ago. Years ago. We're talking like 10 years ago. And yeah, I did go through a bulk of it, but not all of it. And I think I did watch Rebecca. I might have asked you that before on the show because we have a framed poster of it in our house. We own it on Blu-ray. My wife, it's like my wife's favorite movie. My wife's name is Rebecca, so maybe she's just very narcissistic. I don't know. No, I think it's just a it's it's a great film. And Mrs. Danvers is basically uh, the plot of the movie is uh, you don't know all the details, but a woman is swept away to a, a mansion, uh, the, a seaside mansion, and she learns a lot that the man that owns the place, the uh, she gets a lot of hints and details that everything is not what it seems. And there was a woman that lived there before, and maybe she has more in common with that woman than anybody would be comfortable with, considering that woman is dead. And the housekeeper is Mrs. Danvers. And Mrs. Danvers is kind of a uh, kind of a cross between Nurse, Nurse Ratchet and then uh, somebody out of a V.C. Andrews book. Um, she doesn't make anything any easier on Rebecca. I'd have to say she makes things quite a bit worse. And she sets her up to fail many times. Uh, it's a dark film. It's Hitchcock. It's, it's good. The housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers, in Rebecca. It's good. I mean, that 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 movie is like the horror of uh, inadequacy or like perceived inadequacy. Like when you feel like you're like uh, you're you're never going to be at that pedestal of somebody else. It's uh, the perfect way of it's a it's a it's a horror film based on that feeling, and it's 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 great. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, and Mrs. Danvers is kind of like the. Uh, the, 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 the evil mother-in-law that is reinforcing you'll never be what you, uh, she wants you to be. So, Good choice. Good choice. All right. Uh, all right, number four. I got, uh, you know, Swamp Thing for a monster. Uh, Swamp Thing is... Uh, <laughs> anybody who's seen Gremlins 2 knows the uh, power of a monster that can create vegetables out of their armpits. It's disgusting. <laughs> and Swamp Thing is kind of like, as far as body horror goes, that kind of uh, uneasiness. But Swamp Thing is kind. Swamp Thing has a good heart. It is kind of the Frankenstein story, the mad scientist story, but um, uh, a lot easier to root for. Um, you know, he gets to preserve his brain. And uh, uh, really great crossovers with concepts of uh, of of... I don't know. I don't know. Metaphysical ideas, but also horror ideas. Um, 
So Swamp Thing has gone a lot of different ways in the comic books since the 80s. And, you know, I can think of at least three different books that are worth anybody's time to just read as, uh, as quality, quality prose uh, in the form of comic book. So Swamp Thing's a, a good one for me. Yeah, and in Swamp Thing started out, um, by the way, uh, if anybody ever looks it up, Marvel's Man-Thing beat Swamp Thing to the punch by a few months, I believe. Very similar characters. Um, Man-Thing's not nearly as heralded uh, herald, heralded long-term as Swamp Thing is as far sure. as uh, impactful storylines and whatnot. But yeah, and they, they were kind of like 70s grindhouse mixed with uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt type nonsense. And then in the 80s, Alan Moore got in there and leveled things up a bit, if you will and steered it towards the direction I think you're talking about where when other writers picked it up, they could tell a story about, uh, what to, you know, really, where does the human mind end in the mind of the plant begin? And right. Uh, exactly. Like totally. Or hey, swamp thing produced a psychedelic fruit out of its knee pit. Let's all bite off of it and see where our brains go. Kind of, kind of, uh, uh, LSD nonsense. It's uh can it, can a woman love a plant? Um, <laughs> Did you watch that Hulu show or not Hulu? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, DC I, unlimited. Yeah. I've watched the first episode on it and um, I would say more so than the other ones. It, it feels more cinematic and it's weird. They haven't announced a second season because it's probably better than some of the other shows on there, but uh, uh, special effects are top know. notch, top notch. So hate to break it to you, Eric. They they're not doing a second season. I assume not. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I also found uh, uh, the uh, Doom Patrol to be super enjoyable, even for being some like C quality uh, nonsense. So, anyways, but that well, you, can, you can never you can never have enough Brendan Fraser. Period. <laughs> That's true. It's absolutely true. So, Swamp Thing <laughs> is my number four. Um. All right. My number four. Uh, I imagine this will probably be on one of your lists. Maybe not. Who knows? But I'm going to say Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, well, I did just get done eating some uh, beef jerky, but besides that. <laughs> I mean, um, we have a, all, we all know a guy. We all used to work at the, the old record store. I don't know if you guys worked at the, uh, worked there at the same time, but he now kind of trundles around in the Pacific Northwest, and he was obsessed with Bigfoot. Uh, he was a good big guy named Matt Amat. Oh, yeah. If you're out there, Matt. Yeah, we, uh, we all hung out with him in uh, Portland that one time. We did. Um, we ran into him playing a metal show. Hey, hold on. I had to, I had to um, step outside. Hold on. Let's tell that All story right. real quick. Let's tell that story real quick. So we go to Portland for Mark's uh, bachelor party. We're walking around. We're hopping to bars. And we hear fucking like a metal drone in the distance, a metal band, like sludge metal. And we walk towards it. And at this bar playing this music is a guy that I think you guys both worked with. And I knew through you. And yeah. we run into him when we're all hanging out in Portland having no idea he was there and his band was there playing a fucking metal show. It was amazing. Yeah. It, it was, was it quite was something. Perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, it was kismet. Just hearing, hearing, hearing them in the distance and walking towards it and having it be a guy, you know, playing the music in a, in a land you're unfamiliar with was an incredible experience. Yeah, it, it really was. It really was. Awesome. Um, but 
the to go back to the whole Bigfoot thing, um, that guy uh, absolutely believes uh, he he uh, he's Fox Mulder out there, you know, trying to uncover the truth because it's, it's out there squatching. Um, yeah. And I, I have to admit, it's pretty funny that uh, it just has permeated throughout pop culture. Um, I think the only film that does its justice is Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember funny. watching Harry and the Hendersons when I was a kid in the theater. And uh, I think that was also my introduction to John Lithgow. Um, that movie's nonsense. I, I don't even remember much of it. Um, I just remember there was a Bigfoot that became family friends with the Hendersons. And that was it. Yeah. Guys have any emotional <laughs> connection to Bigfoot? Uh, I, um, I got, I got emotional connection to John Lithgow, um, because my goddamn aunt who took me to rate our movies, took me to see Ricochet in the theater, (laughs) which had John Lithgow in it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but it it had a scene in it that's sort of wildly inappropriate to watch with their aunt where they drug Denzel Washington and make him have sex with a hooker. Um, anyhow, no, 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 no emotional connection to Bigfoot. Uh, uh, there is a, a movie I watched recently on one of the streams. It was like a late night choice, but it was, uh, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, who actually, believe it or not, his, the movies he's directed, it have been, there's a lot of shock value, but they're, they've been pretty decent, like world's greatest dad. Um, anyway, some other ones, but he, uh, he did one called Willow Creek. It's like a found footage movie about a guy that's like obsessed with Bigfoot and goes up to the Pacific Northwest to find him. And then uh, at the end, when you, when he finds essentially what Bigfoot is, it gets really weird for about 10 minutes. Um, but it's uh, like any found footage horror movie. There's a, there's a lot of low points, um, but when it gets exciting, it's, it's pretty fun. So Willow Creek for you Bigfoot fans out there. There you go. I figured, uh, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, there is probably a, a following of folks because that's where the sightings usually are. Right, right. Uh, living up there, I didn't well, didn't hear about it any more than I hear about it here. But there, that's because they're all in the in the woods, uh, off the grid. Yeah. All right, Stephen. Well, number four. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, uh, as far as things out in the woods that's the scary shitless that might be or may not be there instead of a alien or I'm sorry, instead of Bigfoot. No, I it, I chose aliens. So that's, sure, uh, definitely. that's not my number four, but everybody knows that goddamn movie communion still fucks with me to this day. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I mean, it, at the beginning, it definitely seems like a horror creep show um, with the little peering around and all this wacky shit. But then towards the end of the film, it's, it gets really strange, and I can't even remember how it ends. To be honest with you, I think, I think like Christopher Watkins goes on the ship, and they all have a party or something. Yeah, they're all like dancing together. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It sounds but like uh, the the sounds like the Explorers. Remember that movie? I think that ends in a in a dance. Yeah, yeah. Or Flight yeah. of the Navigator. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the aliens, Fire in the Sky, is a movie that absolutely fucked me up. Oh yeah, that I think that one is more scarier than Communion. To be honest with you, I think so. Yeah, I've yeah, never seen Aliens. Weren't 
Aliens weren't even my number four. I was just saying that when I was a kid, instead of Bigfoot, I, aliens were the thing in the woods that scared me. Well, um, I mean, you could honestly say like Alien. Uh, I don't know if you were trying to make a connection to, you know, uh, Ridley Scott's movies, but it's a no. hell of a... <laughs> yeah, well, all right. <laughs> I won't put words in your mouth. <laughs> I was just thinking about Bigfoot lives in the woods, aliens live in the woods, and one scared me more than the other. Um but my number four. Oh. H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Kane struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts? These fingers have veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends. The hand of love. Now watch, and I'll show you the story of life. That's from uh, Night of I was going to say, is that Radio Rahim from Do the Right Thing? No. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Based Radio Rahim definitely uh, was, there was some influence there, I'm sure, from uh, Harry, oh, yeah. Powell, Harry Powell from uh, Night of the Hunter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Story of yeah. left hand, right hand. Yes. Don't touch my knife. It makes me mad. <laughs> Night of the Hunter, the classic uh, black and white film. The only one directed by Charles Laughlin, I believe his name is. And uh, the character that everybody, you know, really uh, remembers it is uh, Robert Mitchum is this crazy preacher. And uh, he's in jail. He hears of some some money buried somewhere. The the guy that tells him it dies. And so he goes to warm his way into the hearts and minds of the family of the uh, the, 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 the widower's family and try to uh, scare the shit out of these two kids and figure out where this money's buried. And he is absolutely horrifying and uh yeah he, he's a he's just a he's just a killer but he pretends he's a preacher and he has love and hate tattooed in his hands he gives a lot of great speeches he fools some people other ones he doesn't fool too well and it's a uh it's a damn good film and uh like we said you could see its influences in do the right thing but also uh um cape fear oh yeah and uh yeah it's a it's a, it's a great movie so the Reverend Harry Powell. I was uh, I was him for Halloween one year. It's true. Do you remember that? No one got it. <laughs> nope. Uh, that was right around the same time that I think either the year before or the year after I was, um, oh, the kid stays in the picture. Who's that director? The blank uh, in the, Bob, uh, that? Bob Evans. Evans. Bob Evans. Bob Evans. Yeah, it's about that, that producer. I was Bob Evans one year around the same time, really into the esoteric costumes when I was, oh, there, yeah. I was in my early Oh, well, what was the one? I was the the French mafia from uh, Triplets of Belleville. I think that that doesn't get much more annoying than that. <laughs> yeah, no, that outdoes me by a sight. I'm pretty sure that uh, our old friend of the show, Matt Thomas, had something to do with that. Yeah, probably. Uh, my number three. You get, you get, wait, oh. hold on. Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. You've seen Night of the Hunter, right? Oh, I love Night of the Hunter. Mark, you've seen it, right? Oh, it's been years, but yes, I've seen it. All right. It was good. It. It's a it's a classic. Classic thriller. Murder City Devils also had a song based on that. Yep, they did. And yeah. uh, it's it, it like invented the genre of like everybody trusts this one person and only like one or two people know that they're evil. And um you can't call them out because they're beloved by a community kind of thing, which, you know, ends up becoming like a trope in Lifetime films and stuff like that. It's a, it's a great thriller for that, where you don't, you really don't have anywhere to turn because this person that's a monster is, 
you know, a preacher. He's beloved by the community and all that. Speaking of uh, the Murder City Devils, today I was driving my son around, and uh, they shuffled on, and it was uh, one of the more recent songs. And by that, I mean now it's probably like seven years old. That song, uh, Every Day I Rise. Oh, great. And I, uh, yeah, and I, I turned around, and uh, Towns was... Towns has this dance he does where he makes a cool guy face and he kind of wags his finger like he's saying, no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, he was doing that to that song, so that made me happy. <laughs> hmm. Teaching right. him young, teaching him right. <laughs> so uh, my number three is, it's a version of Jack the Ripper, but not just it's not just Jack the Ripper. It's Jack the Ripper from the, the story From Hell, but not the movie, uh, from Hell, the uh, the comic book by Alan Moore. Um, there's something about the way that it, it kind of... The movie, if you remember the movie From Hell, um, it's a big shock who the Jack the Ripper is. You find out he's like a doctor that, you know, works with the royalty and all that. But in the book, you know who it is from the start. And really the book is about the satanic rituals that he's doing when he does these murders and what if they worked and it was basically like he was killing these prostitutes and using their organs in these ritualistic manner to travel through time and the way it's portrayed in the book is so creepy and so unsettling where it's like you get sucked into this uh, turn of the century uh, London and then zap he zapped into like a 1980s office building because his rituals actually work. And I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but when you read it and how it kind of unfolds, it's one of the most unsettling uh, uh, ways to present that character. And the movie didn't even go there at all. Uh, I don't know how they could, but um, I think it's the best representation of Jack the Ripper. And that book creeps me out every time I read it. It's a beautiful book. So Alan Moore's From Hell. Yeah, and it's also a great... Nick Cave song too. Well, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I got. All right. Uh, I guess my number three, uh, another classic figure in uh, literature, fiction, film. Uh, pretty much the story that started the whole craze that we still reverberates through this day would be Dracula. Um, the whole vampire, you know, my goodness. Anne Rice made her career based off of, you know, writing erotic vampire fiction. Um, I'm not read all of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I've read about half of it. And, um, of course I've seen the original. I have seen, um, the Francis Ford Coppola remake, which, uh, in my mind, it is a little underrated. I think people kind of laugh at it because Keanu Reeves has the worst British accent in the world. Um, yeah, but it's got Ke- my. Keanu... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, they hold it against it because of Keanu, but I think even though we've all decided Keanu is great, I think in that movie he was a little bit miscast. But yeah, yeah, uh, he was the soup of the day. Yeah, and yeah, like, was, him uh, and Winona Ryder are both like could have did not need to be in that movie um but that movie has so it's so charming to me i can watch it every year and be happy 
I think the score of that movie is quite entertaining. Uh, Gary Oldman is really having a good time. Tom Waits has got an appearance in there. Um, Anthony Hopkins is definitely having a great time in that movie. Yeah. Um, as Van Helsing. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely one that uh, I, I I'm entertained by. Um, I don't care for most of the modern day vampire stuff like True Blood. Um, I did really like Preacher uh, with Cassidy. I know I read the comics and big fan of that whole book. And I'm actually a big fan of the TV adaptation, even though it's pretty much nothing like it. Just there's elements of the book that are thrown in there and remixed around. But I am a fan. Um, and of course, I am not a fan of the Twilight series. Um, sorry. Not we Andersons are tea. we Andersons are big fans of Buffy, and and uh, and Angel and that whole Joss Whedon vampire verse and. Uh, I enjoyed the Chrissy Swanson movie, <laughs> but I never watched any of the Sarah Michelle Gellar movie. The show, yeah, it's um, it's art rest in peace, Luke Perry. That's right. The, the show, the 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 show is uh, will will get you sucked in like any good any good lightweight comic uh, can do, um, but. Uh, I do love vampires also. They were on my list. They, they were the last one to fall off my top five. But it's just great because they can, their whole thing is seduction, right? So they're not like mindless creatures. They, they are very good at, at uh, connecting to people, and that's how they do it. And that, that's what makes them creepy. So Let the right one in. That was another that's good fantastic. one. That's fantastic, yeah. Um, I like both versions kind of, of that. Yeah, both versions of the... I don't know where it originated. I want to say... Netherlands. Yeah. Did you? Was did a you Dutch use, movie initially? What was the? Uh, what was the uh, Jim Jarmusch one? Uh, that one was fantastic. God damn it! Only lovers left yes. alive. That one's fantastic. I think. Yes. I don't think I've watched that. Oh, one. Oh, you got to see that. That that. Oh, then actually, that now that we're on, to- now that we're talking about it, one of my favorite vampire movies of the last five years, one of my favorite comedies ever, is uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yep. And it kind of makes fun at all this modern vampire stuff too. Yeah. Um, in a very and the, and the show uh, the show they did was fantastic with uh, Matt Berry and uh, a few others taking over the uh, yes. Oh, it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's a it's a Stephen Stephen Toast as a vampire. <laughs> uh, I always I, I just there's a scene where they're walking and somebody like makes fun of him or something and he can't get over it. And he's like, I'm in fifth gear, and then he like turns into a bat and kills him. And it's, it's, it's a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything Matt Berry does or says is hilarious to me. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this Ed, back on another nine inch nails episode, we talked about interview with the vampire and I stand by that movie. Like no one's business. I don't care what Anne Rice says. No, I'm a big fan. I, uh, I definitely am a Tom Cruise, uh, fan club president and, uh, I've earned the right. And yeah, his <laughs> version of Lestat is badass, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of which, I'd be remiss to say that apparently Anne Rice thought that Lestat should look like Rutger Hauer. And uh, well, I bring that up because may he rest in peace. We uh, we lost old Rutger Hauer uh, this week. Right now he's uh, he's up there somewhere looking at uh, ships blow up off the coastline of Orion or whatever the hell it is. So that's right. And he was the, uh, the uh vamp- like tears in the rain. He was the vampire in, uh, in the, the Buffy movie. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was. 
Him, That's right. Him and his uh, right hand man, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. All right. Yeah, with that goatee. <laughs> All right. That was like his so comeback. Number, number three. Yeah. Yeah. Number three. All right. Number three. Speaking of Nick Cave songs, this sounds like a Nick Cave song. Something in the Mist ate John Lee. Um, that's from the movie The Mist. Oh. And whatever the hell is outside in the mist is my number three. Yeah. Um, the short story and that movie are quite something. Quite something. Yeah, the TV show I heard was not good at all. <laughs> really? But uh, Yeah, but the uh, the movie, I, I love that movie. I thought it was Frank Darabont. Is that Frank Darabont, isn't it? Yep. It is. Yeah. And uh, great, good adaptation, a great cast of uh, mainly character actors. You got uh, Thomas Jane. Toby Jones. Um, uh, what's the name? To- Toby. Who's Toby that? Jones. Toby Jones is in there. Uh, the uh, the Allstate guy is in there. Um, also knows the president from 24, I think. Uh, that one woman who plays the uh, crazy uh, Christian lady in there. She's great. Uh, everybody in it's great. And it's just a story of... All of a sudden, it's misty outside, and monsters are grabbing people and eating them. Everybody holds up in a, a grocery store together. And maybe, just maybe, the monsters inside that store are more dangerous than the ones outside? I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it becomes a story about how people, when they're all cooped up, the kind of shit they, they'll start turning on each other and paranoia. But uh, outside, you never quite see them, but... You get the impression there are some terrible monsters outside that have wings and tentacles. And later, there may or may not be some giant monsters that are like the size of five billion elephants stacked on top of each other. <laughs> you can't see them, but you get the impression they're very large. Right. And, uh, yep, that's it. The mist. <clears throat> there you go. That's a good one. All right. Uh, my number two is Joker. Um, you know, I'm a big Batman fan. And um, the, the Joker can be a little overdone. Um, like, for instance, this new movie coming out, I don't, my interest is not peaked yet, but I probably will, I'm sure I'll end up watching it. Um, but uh, just the, this Agent of Chaos, um, I think is fascinating to me. And where nothing is more important than just watching the world burn so to speak that's the Christopher Nolan movie did a fantastic job uh, obviously Heath Ledger did a great Joker um, reading the comics uh, you can have the the Joker can play a lot of different fill a lot of different roles he can be kind of fun loving where he's not actually killing anybody he's just great cat and, cat and mouse game with Batman or he's uh, you know a psychotic killer like the thin white Duke of Death that Grant Morrison wrote uh, or where he's wearing his own face over his face as a mask, like a uh, horror Joker that Scott Snyder wrote. Um, but uh, all in all, that just that chaotic, uh, wanton destruction is is terrifying if you really get sucked into the story, which rarely a writer can do well. But when it does, it gets to me. So Joker's Joker's up there for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, can't beat the classics, am I right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you, uh, if you if, uh, my favorite Joker, I know everybody really, as far as the uh, presentations on the screen go, 
we all know that Heath Ledger did a great job. Yes, he did. Sure. But the Jack Nicholson Joker is my Joker just because of the the the, the comedic nonsense he does in that movie. Like when they have a Joker products. Oh, yeah. Oh, looks like he's been trying Brand X. Yeah, or he's just stuff. dancing around the art gallery. Uh, yeah. 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 Ruining the, the yeah. new king in yeah. town. Oh, no, that's a great Joker. I think uh, the Mark Hamill Joker from the animated series is much in line with that just kind of more silly Joker, which that's my favorite as well. So, yeah. Do you have any excitement for the Joaquin Phoenix? I was just saying, I, 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 uh, my, coming up. my interest is not peaked yet, but I'm sure I'll see it. So we shall see. It kind of looks like it's trying too hard. You know, I don't know. I'll give it a chance. At least they're trying something a little different. In the sense of, uh, I don't know. I mean, it definitely looks like it's grounded in reality a little too much. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, my, of the my, sh- my mind is open. I'll watch it. Yeah, friend of the show, Mark Marin has a part in it, and I love, I love Mark Marin. So, uh, by the way, season three of Glow next week. All right. Um, thank you for being a sponsor, Glow. Um, <laughs> if we could just get mentioned once on the WTF podcast, that would be it for us. We'd just into the stratosphere. <laughs> so, uh, my next, um, number two, uh, when I think of monsters, I think this is why I don't really ever, uh, not a big horror fan. I remember going over to, uh, a sleepover when I think when I was like, in second grade and it was with a couple buddies, um, second grade buddies. I don't even remember what his name was. They pull out a book and God damn it. That book was scary stories to tell in the dark. Any monster that's coming out of those illustrations, all three are ingrained in my psyche forever. Um, that could be a, that could be a sub podcast is what fucking top five stories and those things scared the shit out of you. Holy smokes, man. I mean, way to traumatize kids with those illustrations. Uh, the uh, illustrator was a gentleman by the name of Stephen Gamble, um, who, uh, if I was the FBI, I'd put him on the watch list. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and the stories were written by Alvin Schwartz. Um, do you guys remember those books? Oh, I love, uh, yeah. Vivid memories. I, I always remember the, there's like the lady with the skin ripped off from her lower lip and it's just skull exposed yeah yeah creepy creepy stuff yeah yeah no i definitely remember them i actually own my copy of a volume three still the one i bought when i was a kid in nevada city and um yeah i just uh those scared the hell out of me uh i'm sure we all saw they made a movie that's coming out yeah Um, yeah i think guillermo uh, del toro produced it got it yeah he produced it that's not the last time we're going to hear about guillermo del toro tonight and what he produced um, but no, those books are great. The one that all the the one that always messed me up, man, and it's gonna be in this movie, is Harold, the goddamn uh, scarecrow. Oh, is that the jangly man looking thing? Yeah, is that what the scarecrow. It? Yeah, you yeah. know, the scarecrow basically gets pissed. He's owned by a couple of yokels, and they like to go out and piss on him and act <laughs> like they're fucking him or something. And one day he has enough of it. And uh, the last line of the book is, uh, and he looked upon the roof. And Harold was stretching his skin in the sun to dry. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's not for kids. 
I know. Get it at the kids' book fair, Scholastic Book Fair, coming this week. I uh, it's it got on my head where like every time I, I thankfully not too often, but every time I'm at a funeral, and when we get to the graveyard part, I the uh, poem from one of the "Never laugh when a hearse goes by, or you may be the next to die." That that one always. <laughs> what always uh comes up yeah <sighs> yeah um so yeah sleep uh sleep tight kids <laughs> i mean that 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 book man those it's torture it should be child abuse <laughs> they're great though <laughs> steven well let me let me see if i oh there's a soapbox over there let me grab that i'm gonna step on the soapbox uh my number Two, yeah, is number two. Uh, my number two is uh, organized religion slash evangelical Christians. Ah, here we go. Uh-oh, I here we go. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna lose. Should we queue up uh, 1996 while we're at it? You know, like in the background or Antichrist superstar. <laughs> That's right. Boom, boom, hey, boom, boom, hey. Come here, girls. All three of them. Holy, holy. Holy, holy. Yeah, I don't think we'll lose many listeners tonight, but I, I've, I, I decided when I was a teenager... Because mainly uh, being tipped off by maybe some of the artists we listen to, that uh, there's just too much wrong in the world can be traced back to the fiscally uh, pushed judgments by the Christian Church, and just look at look at what you got going on at the border. Look at uh, look at the man that they all worship and claim is the savior, even though. Technically, he goes against everything that I, I believe the Ten Commandments are for. You know, it's all just hypocrisy. And basically, it's all about judgment and hurting others that are not like you. And uh, I think that the most Christian people I know are actually not Christians. So that's it. I think a lot of the, the what's wrong in the world is horrific, can be traced back to organized religion. Just so many... How 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 long do we gotta argue over fucking abortions for God's sakes? And uh anyways, I could go no, on. Yeah, there you using are. it to uh <laughs> to defend uh taking rights away from whoever they want to take it from. I mean yeah, I was gonna earlier I was gonna make a connection that your uh, preacher from that night of the hunter was a you know, some sort of uh metaphor for organized religion. But yeah. No, there's something there. And it's not to say that being spiritual is wrong. Uh, it's just when you use your beliefs as an excuse to marginalize someone else, 
that is disgusting, and we see it happen every day. That's right. Get him. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's quite a few people in my family that obviously subscribe to organized religion. Um, They Mm. feel some sort of personal fulfillment and satisfaction out of knowing that there's a higher power and all of this is for a reason, that they will eventually be in the kingdom of heaven and blah, blah, blah. Um, I myself, uh, I'm more, uh, I'm an atheist, definitely. Uh, I, I don't subscribe to a higher power. I think it's just a form of control um, rather than um, free will, uh, as we like to say that that's what God gave us was free will. Um, but I think that, Asking your parishioners to think and believe a certain way just so that they can get into, you know, an exclusive club is I don't think the right way to go about it. I think that if you have a strong moral compass and you can see right from wrong, um, you don't need to have a book tell you uh, that that's my biggest problem with organized religion and the hypocrisy knows no bounds when it comes to that. Um, So I'm with you on that. Uh, I think they've caused I mean, if you look in just the span of human history, uh, so much disaster and uh, catastrophe and strife and violence has been, you know, wrought by people believing a book or believing, um, you know, it's it's why we're so paranoid about everyone these days, because, well, not just these days, but of all time, you know, we're very, it's just another form of tribalism that I just, you know. I don't cotton to hundred percent. Yeah. But they've really, they've really dropped the whole act. And, and like I said, I understand why people want to believe in afterlife. I, the people, uh, spirituality, I understand how people would go in that direction. I think at the end of the day, probably when we all die, we want to hope that there is something of some sort, but sure. when you try to use an old text, misinterpret it, and then uh, when you get called in your bullshit, basically just say, ah, well, you know, whatever uh, I'm like, I, my skin is lighter than yours, so it's okay. You know, late, lately they've they've they, they don't even pretend anymore with the the, the whole with the with the, the 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 immigration crisis and all that shit. It's just yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the one way to fight <laughs> against cruelty is just to be kind and show empathy towards others. Um, I mean, yeah, I I, I want to be a good person. It doesn't. I don't feel great when I feel like I snap at somebody, a stranger, even if, uh, if I'm just having a bad day. Um, I do try to strive to be kind to people. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like when you pass judgment on people just because they don't believe the same thing that you believe is, I think it's a big problem. Well, Uh, yeah. And ultimately are you doing good things because of a dogma or, or, a set of rules or a, a, uh, ultimate like heaven you want to get to, or are you doing good things? Cause you want to better your community and the people around you. And you know, it's, uh, it's unnecessary. Uh, yeah. That, that, you bring good, yeah. People trying to score points to get into a place that may or may not exist is not <laughs> being a good person. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just want to hear Eric segue into his favorite movie being the mummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you want to, you know, take some course there through uh, some kind of Egyptian thing and uh, old, te- you know, there you go. No, 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 no. My, right, my so number, on a my number note, one is doppelgangers. 
Doppelgangers is a creepy concept to me. Uh, obviously, like, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, and the way it was kind of played out there, and, you know, Lynch's obsession with duality has followed all of his films, but uh, the way the evil versions of the characters played out in Twin Peaks is totally creepy. Uh, just just look at the fire walk with me. Watch uh, Cooper and Bob cackling in the in the pink room. It's it's, it's terrifying. Um, uh, Eric, yeah. that's wanted to say that that's the second time someone said fire walk me today in my presence, and the other time it was me because I had to go to two toddler birthday parties today. And uh, when this guy and I were discussing, it's the same guy that uh, we were talking about knows uh, Martin Atkins or whatever. Yeah, same guy. And uh, he and I were talking about. Uh, Legos and that in some some cultures where they do like you know the fire walk to, to prove you're a man or whatever we were saying that they throw should throw a bunch of Legos in the ground and you walk over Legos to prove your manhood and I said uh yes Legos walk with me there you go. <laughs> yeah and, and then I watched uh, uh Jordan Peele's Us recently uh actually went to um uh, Santa Cruz boardwalk and the week before I was like all right I gotta watch Us so I rented it, and it was pretty hmm. good, pretty good. And uh, uh, that movie, it's not as overtly, like the social message is not as overt as Get Out, um, but it's there, and it really is like about privilege. And uh, I was going to say, goodness gracious, you can tie some of that movie's message to what yeah, we were just yeah, talking it's, about. And it's really yeah. about like uh, how people respond to trauma, whether you have privilege or don't. And um, uh, and uh, it, it also ties into the mythology of doppelgangers, which is totally creepy, which was like back in, you know, old times. If you had somebody in your family that was like disabled or had a, uh, a cognitive disability or something like that, you would say that they were switched out when they were young and they were fine until, the, until they were switched out. And this is the doppelganger. You would use that to blame, you know, it, it was a way of hiding your shame, um, which is awful. And, uh, uh, anyways, doppelgangers, creepy, creepy stuff. There you go. Hey, Mark, yeah. did you see us yet? I haven't seen us yet. Um, I don't think it's uh, available on the streams. Did you rent it or did you? I, I, uh, yeah, just, I, I, uh, I paid for, I paid for that bad boy. It's okay. getting, it's getting close. It's been out. It's been out. It's been out for rent for at least uh, two months now. So it should be streamable in the next few sure. months. Pretty soon. Yeah. I'm going to wait until it's probably on HBO, but uh, yeah, I'll be watching it. I loved Get Out. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, Yeah, Jordan Peele. Who knew that he was that talented? I mean, funny guy. I mean, I I do enjoy Key and Peele, and um, I even liked Keanu. Oh, yeah. Um, This one's got, he's got a lot to say, but like like I said, it's much more subtle than than, uh, Get Out. You kind of got to think about it. You kind of okay. got to dig for the message, but it's, yeah. but it's there. Tim Heidecker. Oh yeah. He's great. He's it's in there. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's what yeah. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the low man in the totem pole as far as being the, the fan of that guy in this show. I don't dislike him. I'm just not like you guys are, but I thought he was great yeah. in that movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Alexa, play the beach boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my number one, uh, I've never read the source material, um, but I've watched a couple film versions of it, um, and it, it obviously reverberates throughout the whole monster film or man versus nature 
Uh, but truly, it's about man's obsession and for revenge than anything. That would be Moby Dick. Um, for whatever reason, um, I've never, like I said, a lot of the book from Herman Melville is uh, really about the whaling industry um, until it really kind of gets to the, the good parts with Captain Ahab just willing to risk the lives of his ship and his men just to get revenge on a on the whale that uh, bit his leg off. Um, uh, I really enjoyed the Gregory Peck version. Um, I even watched the Patrick Stewart version. Um, I remember watching the Patrick Stewart version and asking our old English teacher who was obsessed with Moby Dick. Um, good old Jack Sanchez. Um, and he thought the Patrick Stewart was miscast and he it's not like to say that he didn't like uh, Patrick Stewart as an actor but always stuck with me and a band that I really like Mastodon pretty much have an old uh, an entire album based around this concept of Moby Dick and man's obsession with just being on an obsessive quest and of course uh, Jaws owes a lot Captain Quint is obviously filling in for Captain Ahab uh even though the shark in Jaws did not, you know, maim him, but he had a vendetta against sharks. Um, but yeah, Moby Dick, number one monster for me. Or is it truly man's obsession with fighting nature? I feel like I feel like Werner Herzog has a has a Moby Dick in him before he retires. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's his I whole mean, mo. A lot of yeah. his documentaries. That's his whole MO is, yeah. is, uh, is, uh, you know, nature is out to kill man. So. Yeah. That, uh, that Mastodon album fucking shreds. Leviathan. Oh man. Does it ever. I love yeah. that. Blood and thunder. It's got some bangers, just some, just yeah. brutal songs, um, on that. And then it's got some, also some reflective songs too. That's what um, they, uh, they're good at. Yeah. That's a good one. And I liked that it. it continued the, uh, uh, that was the second album that had Scott Kelly in a song. And they were like, you know what? Every album, let's get Scott Kelly from Neurosis on a song. Good. I liked that they yeah. did that. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, Moby Dick, great story. Uh, I never finished the book, but I've enjoyed, like you said, many, uh, there's actually some good graphic ad novel adaptations as well. Um, but, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, John Luke Picard, I hope everybody watched that Picard trailer because that looks great. That's right. Oh, yeah. No, the, uh, it kickstarted my Star Trek. Um, uh, I'm, I'm finishing season, season seven as we speak. I'm watching awesome. it while we're talking. <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> he pulls out the data drawer. The other toddler like, party. Data gave his life for me and pulls him out. I'm like, okay. All right. That's all. That's it. I'm good. I'm in. You know, I, I don't remember actually seeing Nemesis. I've heard it's a shitty movie to uh, to end the whole next generation, but I understand that Data does sacrifice himself. There you go. Yeah, the um, it's funny we mentioned that because the other I went to two toddler birthday parties today. The other one was for uh, my cousin's kids, who are also my cousins, and he and I are, we've been texting that uh, we're going to put together like a a viewing playlist to lead up to Picard, Picard of like all of the important Picard episodes and all the Borg episodes. And that also means we need to watch Nemesis. And he was telling me, uh, he was saying that he was deployed in the Navy when a uh, Nemesis came out and he was excited because he's like, Oh man, he got to watch it uh, before it hit video. 
like uh, they they had something where you could watch a movie in between when it was at theaters and before it was available at home and he hadn't heard much about it and he sat down to watch it and uh like later that night he was yeah i i don't know all the details here but he was just like on on the deck smoking a cigarette being like this is that movie was terrible <laughs> and uh you know he's 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 deployed he's away from his family and uh you know, I don't know, off the coast of Afghanistan or something, and he got all excited to watch Nemesis, and then it, it was <laughs> Nemesis. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Gen- yeah. Next generation got some good movies though. Uh, Generations is an all timer as far as I'm concerned, and First Contact is amazing. No, I think Generations. I think it almost looks like a TV movie it, though. It's fair. Yeah. First Contact is an all timer. First Contact is solid. solid. Generations yeah, that's a great good, one. Yeah, it has some good moments in it, but when you if you were to take out, like you're just enjoying Captain Kirk and Picard interacting, that's what you like. Everything else about it, I don't know. But uh, I'm glad that you know what, Eric. I'm glad you like it so much because <laughs> it's definitely the second best Next Generation movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Insurrection really felt like a goddamn episode. It did. That was yeah. ugh. I can't even remember that. I saw it in theaters too. Um, yes, we with- saw it together. And, did we? Um, oh my god! I, yes. I, 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 it's another movie where Data goes crazy, isn't uh, it? Data, Data, uh, yeah. He starts like his laugh chip, his humor chip, or something gets off the rocker. I remember there was a scene where he like cocks a shotgun and says like, "Let's do this shit" or something. Like there's a there's a scene like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh <Data>. boy. <laughs> yeah. No, we saw we saw that episode with a friend of the show, Seth Mark. Um, and that's right. Yeah, it had F. Murray Abraham in it, but it was not good. I got I got yeah. called uh, data at a work meeting uh, yesterday, so I don't. So apparently, I'm the. It's because you're John. Apparently, I'm the data. <laughs> I'm the data of my uh, yellow eyes. Apparently, so. Anyways. Um. Anyhow, my number one is a from a movie produced by Guillermo del Toro. And directed by uh, J.A. Bayona, who since has made um, uh, that movie with the flood and Ian McGregor. And uh, I think he made uh, Jurassic Park, Lost World, uh, Jurassic World Part 2. Anyhow, first movie he made was The Orphanage. And uh, had that goddamn kid in it, the ghost named Tomas. Do you guys remember this? I do. Did he look like he had a gunny sack on his head or something? Yes. Or am I thinking of something? Okay. Yeah. Nope. You're thinking of it. And yeah. this goddamn thing's haunted me. Even though that movie kind of ends on almost like a, a romantic, hopeful note, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that the, the, the image of a little kid with a gunny sack on his head, just standing in the corner is right up there with the, uh, the ah. Blair Witch guy standing in the corner. As far as things that creep me the fuck out. Just yeah. generally uh, like standing in the corner. Yeah, I think it's too much. Standing often. in the corner is bad. It's bad stuff. Usually standing in the corner is bad. Usually if uh, I record my, I record this show in a basement and uh, every time I come down here and the lights are off, I'm like, oh, there's, you know, Tomas is probably scurrying around here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, it's just, that's, 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 that is a movie where just, it's not, you know, the the movies that kind of, you know what? Yeah. It's up there. It's like the others. It's, um, yeah, I like a good ghost story where you don't really know if it's the ghost or it's paranoia in an old mansion. That's it. That's the story. Yep, but you see, you see Tomas, and you learn what happened to Tomas, and uh, just uh, Tomas, the little ghost kid, bopping around, haunting image. He did not a lot of jump scares or anything. It's just a haunting image. So much so, it's my number <laughs> right. one. 
Let me ask you, um, refresh my memory about The Devil's Backbone. Oh, great film. Uh, refresh me your memory on a great movie that uh, that would be Guillermo Toro's second full length. It's in Spanish. It takes place during the Spanish-Mexican... Spanish-Civil Spanish War. Spanish-Civil War. I was going to say Spanish-American yeah. War. The Spanish-Civil yeah, Spanish War. And it's, and, in a, um, it's in an orphanage as well. And uh, like some soldiers... Have, it, it has a ghost in soldiers, it. But it's a little bit yeah. more... The ghost isn't there to scare you as much. The real... And that movie that's kind of a, a friendly ghost. Yeah. And um, the bad guy is... Uh, it's, it's, it's a general, I think. Being kind of an asshole, much like much like uh, much like uh, Pan's Labyrinth. All right, yeah, that's right. Because uh, I know that the two of them in my mind, I think it was the orphanage and the kind of the spirits. That's what was making me think that uh, I couldn't remember what was what. So, yeah. Well, that should do it. Uh, we went through our top five uh, scary monsters. Is uh, yeah. a good little prologue into talking about. Uh, Scary Monsters from David Bowie. Um, we got very excited that we uh, landed on this dice roll. So join us next week when we go track by track onto David Bowie's 14th album, Scary Monsters. This has been Mark. Eric. And I'm guessing Stephen is already gone. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Anyways, we hope we brought you closer to Bob. Tomas got him, finally. Or is it your imagination? Hmm? And consider this dismaying observation. This chamber has no windows and no doors. <laughs> Which offers you this chilling challenge. To find a way out. <laughs> of course. There's always my way.